Welcome to the Mormon Mompreneur Podcast. Mormon Mompreneur is a home for women of faith who desire to be strengthened in motherhood and empowered in business. We thrive off of talking with other women with unique experiences and vision who have felt guided by the divine to bring about remarkable things at home and abroad. Hey everyone, welcome back to Mormon Mompreneur. Today is a big day, selfishly for me. I would like you to ask yourself a question. If you could think of someone that you've actually met in real life that you feel has had a profound influence on your life's direction, who would you give that credit to? Now even further, it can't be a member of your family. No moms, no dads, none of that. But if you could call someone possibly a mentor in your life, who would that person be? And how do you ever say thank you to a person like that? Well, today is a super great day for me because I am sitting face-to-face via Skype with that person to me, who is Brooke Snow. Brooke Snow has been my mentor for nearly nine years. Nine years, Brooke, can you believe it? It's a long time. <laughs> it's a long time. How old are we? Should we count? <laughs> and if we want to get right down to it, what you need to know about Brooke Snow is that she is a musician, a speaker, a podcaster, and creator of Every Branch, an online school for real life balance. Brooke has a gift of seeing the big picture and extracting life lessons from each experience. She is a wife mother of two, a survivor, and has triumphed over PTSD and anxiety. She believes all people can change and that we hold the power to create the life we want. I am so excited to be able to share her wisdom and her absolute pure perspective on life, how God feels about us, and how we can better how we feel about ourselves. So obviously Brooke has many, many talents and wonderful things that we can claim her name to, but one of the greatest things that she can do is pull out pure potential out of people. And often it just takes a minute or two of talking with her to pull that out. So Brooke, I am just so excited that you're here and I'm so excited to finally share your goodness. I've been keeping it all to myself for far too long. It's time to share it with our audience. (laughs) Welcome, welcome. Thank you. That was such a sweet introduction. (laughs) And And I just love you. I'm grateful to be able to talk with you always. (laughs) And truly my claim to fame is I like grew up going on the same bus to school. Oh, yeah. I didn't like that bus ride very much. <laughs> tragic, tragic. I was the last stop. There was never a seat left for me. <laughs> I hope I shared. I probably didn't share. We're going to have to you, cut this out. <laughs> you would always share. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it, Brooke. So because you've done so many things as far as music, I mean, you've even got your master's degree in music. You've done photography in extraordinary ways. And now you are a podcaster and in many ways, a life coach. So tell us a little bit about what what you are doing with your life day to day. Day to day, if you're looking for business wise, I created an online school called Every Branch. And the sub, the tagline for that is an online school for real life balance. And every branch is actually a biblical reference that comes from the book of John about how God is the gardener and, you know, and he prunes us and, and nourishes us and, and cultivates us so that we can bear fruit in our life. And every branch is a school that that's my main intention is how to create classes that can help us to be more fruitful. And specifically with the whole idea of finding real life balance, life balance is a term that we throw around so much. A lot of people argue whether or not it actually exists, and that's why I use the term real. (laughs) And I only use that because it's a reference that people know and understand. But what I really want people to understand is how to be fruitful. Not that we're, balance is something that's often associated with busyness, like how busy are you? Can you, how much can you fit in? And I think God is more concerned in our life with how fruitful we are. 
are we bearing fruit in every branch of our life? Is it, are we bearing fruit in our business, in our family, in our relationships, and in our spiritual gifts that he's given to us? And sometimes we can get really focused in on like one thing. And the thing is, if you look at nature as a model for how to thrive and be fruitful, you <laughs> you don't want a tree that's like got fruit on one side of it and nowhere else. Like it doesn't work. We have to be able to find and provide good energy and fruit in every single branch. And that takes some discipline and some pruning and nourishing and understanding of our identity and our path and our mission. And that's the whole focus of my message that I want to get out to people and the classes I create, podcasts that I do. Well, folks, you've now been nourished. That's the end of our podcast today. (laughs) (laughs) Brooke, what imagery? What imagery here with the tree and nourishment? And I love the idea of God caring more about fruit instead of busyness. Yeah. Now, I have no doubt that many of us listening to you today feel incredibly busy and rarely fruitful. What is the first step to switching from busy to fruitful in your experience creating these podcasts and classes? Oh, I have a whole, there's four main principles that I associate with fruitfulness. And these are four principles I have identified that operate in nature. And it's what nature needs to thrive. And we are the same. God created nature to thrive with these principles. So Therefore, we're going to thrive as well. Those four principles are pruning. So it's we have to cut some things out. And sometimes the things that we have to cut out are actually growing and doing really, really well. And we have to ask ourselves, is, you know, is this really the direction that we want to head? Sometimes it's things that aren't being fruitful and that needs to be pruned as well. The second principle is nourishment, that we have to obtain the nourishment that we need so that we can bear fruit. And this is a common theme that you see of, you even hear it referred to as like, if your well is dry, you have nothing to give. Like we have to obtain the nourishment that we need so that we can serve and so that we can be fruitful in the branches that we have in our life. The third principle is identity. And I love this principle. And if you look at nature, there is principles of identity at play on being fruitful. You're not going to have a a palm tree that's going to do well (laughs) in a really cold climate. And likewise, if you're a evergreen tree, like a blue spruce, for example, and fall comes around and all the other trees around you, like, their leaves turn red and they fall off. And if you think that you're supposed to be like that, you're going to freak out. Absolutely. (laughs) What is wrong with me? And so I really think that that same principle translates into our own life, that we have our own shape. We have our own conditions that we grow well in and that we thrive in. And we can really get caught up in the process of comparing our life to other people, thinking that it needs to look a certain way when it's really very individual. So identity plays a part in that. And then the fourth principle of a thriving life is grace. We cannot thrive on our own. And I remember the first time that I really learned about the principle of grace. It was reading the book, A Marvelous Work in the Wonder by Grand Richards. And he gives this amazing analogy of grace by comparing it to a farmer. And he says the farmer can plant the seed. He can nourish it. He can prune. He can weed. He can do all of those things. But in the end, who is it that brings the rain? Who is it that brings the sun? It's God. God is the one who makes up the difference there. There's still work. There's still effort. There's still discipline that's required in that process, but we don't do it alone. And so that's the way it is in nature for things to be able to grow. That's the way it is in our own life as well. And I feel like when we come upon resistance, oftentimes in my experience, it's been because I'm trying to do it by myself. I think that I'm the one who has to create everything. I'm the one who has to pull the weight by myself, which is wrong thinking. (laughs) But we often get caught up in that, especially as women, especially as mothers. And 
when we allow grace and that principle to be able to come into our life to receive help, to receive direction, whether that's help from God, whether it's help from the atonement of Jesus Christ, or whether it's help from just people around us, allowing people to help us, being open to receiving the help that people are there to give, or even open to asking for help when we need it, that that's the principle of grace at play. So where to start (laughs) and all of that, I think you can pick any one of those four areas and start there. You know, whatever your intuition tells you, that's an area that I know that I could use some work on is pruning things out or getting the nourishment I need or figuring out what my own conditions are for growth. What is my identity or how can I open up myself to receiving more grace? Start there. That again is so profound. I'm going to say the word profound far too much. (laughs) Welcome to the world of Brooke Snow, listeners. Um, What really struck my heart as you were thinking, and I hope the other listeners felt their heart move at some point during what you just said, was when you talked about the word resistance, that that often can be a key factor in deciding where to start. What Mm -hmm. is feeling forced right now and what is not settling and how, why am I not able to move forward with something that maybe I've even felt inspired to do? And maybe by allowing that resistance to be a little bit of a red flag to say, God has something ready for you, um, is a great starting point for many Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We can learn a lot from our resistance. (laughs) We usually tend to try and ignore it because it doesn't feel good and we don't really want to pay attention to it, but you're right. Resistance is a great clue to the direction that we need to take. I also loved how you mentioned that our journey is very, very individual and to not take clues and ideas from people around us and social media and everything of what we are expected to be. You and I have had a discussion a little bit about this and I just think it needs to be shared. Uh, You talk about this principle of pruning and that we need to have the guts to step up and cut something that appears good and may be growing, but that is necessary for us to become more individual and more fruitful in our own eyes and in the eyes of God. Have you been through a pruning process? Oh, yes. (laughs) Share. If you want an example of like pruning something that's actually producing fruit, um, my history of like being an entrepreneur, I was a musician and you mentioned I have a master's degree in music. I spent some time really building a business around that. And then I transitioned and I did photography and that was probably the biggest business that I ever built, mainly in the photography education industry, teaching classes online. I got into that right as that was a new thing. I really got lucky and that was really you exciting. Were, okay, interrupt. She was really <laughs> good at it. Luck was maybe 1% of the reason, but she is phenomenal at what she does. <laughs> well, thank you very much. It really was getting into it at the right time also. You know, that a little person from Logan, Utah would be able to have students from all over the entire world. And it was because there was nothing else available. There's so many more resources right now, which is awesome that that is becoming more and more common. And I built a great business and for three years in a row, um, did six figures in sales. And that was so amazing to be able to, I felt really successful. Things were going really, really well. And yet (laughs) there was a lack of soul for me. It started out with soul. It's It started out and I knew that, you know, this is what I want to do and it feels really good and is exciting. And then slowly but surely, there was a separation that started to happen for me in that it wasn't something that was feeding me anymore. It wasn't something that I got excited to learn about anymore to the point that it became something that was a burden, that it felt very obligatory. It was a commitment that I had made and I felt like I had to keep doing it because it was this pattern. And it was a really profitable, productive pattern that I was in. And I was being inspired in other directions. I was really loving the opportunity to be able to teach. I just didn't want to do it with the topic of photography anymore. I felt like I had a mission to teach something even greater. And that's turned into something of, you know, spirituality and personal growth and development. And that is what lights me up. It makes me so excited to be able to do that. 
but I couldn't sustain two businesses. I couldn't do both. And so I had to actually cut and prune the branch that was in so many ways supporting our family. (laughs) And yet I had no other I had no other way of doing it other than cutting it off because I knew that what I wanted to grow could not grow with that other branch still there. So the end of the year of 2014, I did one last sale of my classes and I closed the doors and I walked away and it was easy to walk away in the sense of I didn't find joy and fulfillment anymore. That was easy. I wanted to follow my heart and what, did light me up. The hard part has been the profit. <laughs> Thank I you went, for the candidness. Yes. I went are saying, making, <laughs> I had a steady income and I walked away from that. And I had the expectation that I had experienced so much success in that one area that surely people would follow me into this new direction that I was going. Surely that would happen. And it didn't. It totally didn't. And looking back, I see, well, that's two different people. You know, one is focusing on photographers and one is very different. It's a completely different audience. And I should have not had the expectation that all those people would follow me to a different direction. Many did. And I love them. And they are great. (laughs) They have stuck with me. And I really appreciate that. But what happened was that I cut off my income and in large part, it has really struggled to be able to return. And that has been, I mean, nowhere close to, to bringing in the profit that I was before. And it's been a real identity, I won't say crisis, but yeah, okay, I will say crisis. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> it has, it shook me up. And I realized how much I identified my worth and my success with, did I make money? And that success was defined 100% on profit. And it's it's been a long journey for me to figure out that I am on the path that God wants me on. I have a message to share. I am influencing people and bringing them closer to Christ. I feel it. I love what I do. So far, I haven't been able to turn it into something that makes a great profit. I'm on the road to opening up the flow of income again. And I believe that God does want us to be profitable, that that's a good thing and a good pursuit. What I have had to learn, though, is that it's not my identity. That does not define my success and it doesn't define who I am and it doesn't define how good and worthy a project is either. So that's, that's an example of something that I have pruned that was fruitful and it came with its own set of challenges, but I know, I know it was the right thing to do. And you're able to sit here across from me and be a hundred percent convinced it happened the right way. Absolutely. That is gutsy. That is gutsy. And especially when you think about moments in our life in which, you know, if you ever have to live in a 1500 square foot home and then move to a 700 square foot home, it's always more challenging than if you've always lived in a 700 square foot home, um, recognizing things changing that way. So was that necessary for that to happen for God to speak to you about your identity? Oh, 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 yeah. It's so individual that he would teach me a lesson like that. And I actually chose the word divine nature for 2016 as the word that I wanted to study. It was like, I knew that I needed to learn some things there. And it took me an entire year until finally towards the end of the year, it hit me that all of the struggle that I was feeling about my success and not making the income that I was before and where's my worth that I have a pattern of that. I have a pattern for my whole life of identifying my worth and my success upon my accomplishments. If it wasn't money, then it would have been back in music. It would have been scholarships and recognition and accolades. And that that was what I, that's what I found my worth in and that I can't do that. And it was like the Lord turned this trial into a really great lesson 
for the rest of my life, that this is not who you are. You have to be able to find your worth in just you, not in anything that you do, not in any of your roles, not in anything that other people think about you. Strip all of that away and I still love you and you still have worth. And if you can find that place of loving yourself the way I love you, without all of those extra things, then we can build from there. Then you can move forward with your message and be powerful. This is such a beautiful message because it almost sounds backwards, Brooke. Because what you're saying here is our worth does not rely on accomplishments and money and success and Instagram followers. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but yet our worth lies in being fruitful. So what is fruitful? Fruit is the outcome, right? It's what is produced. And, oh, fruit. There's so much that is symbolic about fruit. In fact, this was looking at fruit specifically is a big thing that alerted me to what path I was on because I had this huge struggle of, identifying with the money and the profit and the success. And I realized one day as I was looking specifically at fruit, that what I was seeking was the fruit of money, the fruit of glory. And who offers that fruit? If you go back to the garden, when Satan offers the fruit, you know, that the fruit that you seek is what you become. That is the tree. The fruit that you seek comes from a specific tree. The fruit that I want to seek, that I desire to seek, is the love of God. That comes from the tree of life. It doesn't say in the scriptures that that fruit is money and glory and fame and fortune and all of that. It says that the fruit of the tree of life is the love of God and it's desirable for happiness. And so that alerted me to what path I was on because I was seeking the uh, the fruit of those extra type of things. And that if I'm seeking that, that's the tree I'm growing. And in fact, we've been taught that um, the adversary constantly likes to mimic and mm-hmm. mock the most worthwhile and sacred things that God has planned for us. And so it's interesting that Satan would offer the fruit because what he is offering is so enticing. It's the money, right. it's the fame, and it's instant gratification. And he is making a mockery of what truly satisfies. Absolutely. Yeah. And yet you bring up, you know, that we that God does want us to be fruitful. He does want and desire to bless us with the ability to provide for our families, to provide well, to be able to have abundance. It's just the order that it happens in, that we, you plant the seeds (laughs) and you cultivate things. And if you really are putting God first, you are blessed with the fruit of his tree that he is growing. And, it, that's that's been a real direction for me, a direction shift is I have to be sure that the fruit that I'm seeking is aligned with God's tree. And if I do that, I know that I will be blessed in immeasurable ways. I will be blessed to be able to make an income with the effort that I put in. I will be blessed to be able to make an impact, to be able to influence people's lives and to m- create a legacy if I am seeking the fruit of the right tree. I love the perspective. I I think I promised our listeners perspective. And that is often what we need is a little bit of an overhaul of instead of sweating bullets over our website and our Etsy shop to take a step back and create some perspective on how God feels about us and what we are really seeking after and how God can enrich those experiences. So as I think more about wanting to just pull from your wisdom and your perspective for our listeners here, uh, you have been a 
prime example to me of confidence in who you are. Even, gosh, it even seemed when you were young, Brooke, I know you said you hated the bus, but <laughs> I, I have always felt like, I mean, I've watched you play piano since you were young and watched you compose and sing and and write and photograph. I mean, I feel like I've been this observer in so many of your um, experiences. And you seem to walk with this confidence, even when you are doing things very differently than the women of faith that live down the street, that are um, at playgroup and that are, in, you know, enjoying um, their their lives. You've been very bold in moving forward as an entrepreneur and yet staying firm in your testimony and serving in the gospel. Um, how how have you gained that confidence in who you are? I have definitely had my moments of insecurity, Sarah. <laughs> I think it's lovely that you have received the impression that it's been confidence the entire time. Um, it hasn't. I I already said how I identified with a lot of those extra things, you know, the scholarships, the awards, the recognition, the money. And we can definitely obtain confidence from those things. And I did. And the confidence that I have now is a different confidence. It's like a quiet confidence rather than a loud confidence. And it's because my identity now is rooted in who I really am who I am as a daughter of God. It's not rooted in what other people think. It's not rooted in any accomplishments or roles or anything like that. So it's a different kind of confidence. And that has actually been a journey to be able to get to that point. And that type of confidence for me comes from knowing that my course in life is in accordance to the will of God. That's what it talks about in the Bible dictionary under the definition of faith, that faith is knowing that your course in life is in accordance to the will of God. And there is an amazing, quiet, yet powerful sense of confidence that comes when you know that the path you are pursuing is exactly what he wants for you, that you are doing exactly what you need to be doing. And that, to me, is true confidence that can weather any storm, that can weather whether or not the business is successful or I get recognized or anything like that because I know I'm on the right path. And that, to me, makes all of the difference. So we recently had a conversation that I think, again, would lend some wonderful words to our listeners and that I have learned from. You are a mother, a mother of two and an exceptional mother and yet you have had your own challenges in your identity maybe as a mother that i think you could expound upon that would really bless our viewers what have been your experiences as a mother of two well there's the key right there a mother of two (laughs) i did not say mother of just two (laughs) no (laughs) well you bring up culture and for me, the, the challenge in the identity was that I have two children. And for the subculture of the area that I live and also within the church, that's not really that many kids for a Mormon family. And I really struggled with the expectation of the culture that to be a good mom, I actually needed to have more children than that. And both of my pregnancies had notable challenges, especially the deliveries. The last delivery was life threatening and to say the least. Yeah. (laughs) Very intense. (laughs) Almost died, but I'm here and grateful to be here. And, you know, I, I left that experience knowing that if I were to have, if I were to choose to have more children, it would be extremely, extremely high risk even though I have like this label of super high risk, I really struggled in thinking that people would think less of me for only having two kids. And I know I need to be sensitive. Like even saying that there are a lot of people who struggle with infertility and would be 
so grateful to even have one child. And here I have two and I'm thinking that it's not enough. It's not enough for receiving <laughs> a real motherhood award. <laughs> like you are a real mom because you got more than two. <laughs> and which is so silly and it's wrong and it's false. And yet I feel like that represents in large part how we can allow cultural beliefs to influence how we feel about ourselves, to influence our identity, to influence our choices. And the thing about cultural belief is it's not real. It's not a real person. It's like this false image that has been created that we allow to have influence over us and it's not even real. And I would go to church and I would feel like I didn't have enough kids to be acceptable. And I would have conversations with people and they'd say, how many kids do you have? And I'd answer with, just two. <laughs> oh, just two. <laughs> and, and I lived for, you know, a good little while after my last one was born thinking that the choice to only have two, two kids, because at this point it is a choice. I'm choosing not to have more to be able to preserve, preserve my own life and to not risk it. I want to be able to be here for the two kids I have. And I, I, fasted and I've prayed and I've had many a conversation with my husband and every time he looks at me <laughs> bewildered and he's like we have two miracle children let's be grateful for them <laughs> sweet Ben <laughs> oh those good men <laughs> and yet I still allowed myself to feel like I wasn't enough I wasn't acceptable and so letting go of that false cultural belief has been so absolutely freeing and wonderful and to realize that I don't have to live dictate dictated by something that's not even real and that was the real turning point for me is realizing that it wasn't even real it's not even a real person it's not scriptural it's not coming from any person of importance it's not real and yet we create things in our minds sometimes through the culture um, and it's not just Mormon culture. It can be, you know, any culture that we allow to, culture, yeah, right? yeah. There's a lot, any culture has cultural beliefs that may or may not actually be true. And so to actually look at those and challenge them and to say, where does this come from? Is it based in truth? Does it matter to God? Will it matter a hundred years from now? there's your answer, you know? And so that was really freeing for me in my identity to be able to let that go and to realize that I'm good and my choice is acceptable to the Lord. I just think of so many of us that can identify with you when you say I have, you know, just two kids. There, there are people that can say, you know what, I've been divorced twice or I mm -hmm. I never went on a mission or none of my kids went on missions or I never got an education or you know there are just so many things that um, we can still be beautifully rooted and accepted and loved by our Heavenly Father amidst very very different challenges and experiences we've got to give each other a break right absolutely <laughs> Thank you so much for all of your oh, just incredible insights. I feel like I need a notepad to just move forward with this and apply it in our life. Luckily, podcasts are pretty permanent. So I will be re-listening <laughs> and learning from this, which is the norm, people, uh, when I talk to Brooke. Um, one, thing, one thing that you really are great at and that you, you may have been on a journey to figure this out, but that you are so great at being able to not be blinded by tempting offers in your businesses. And when you are presented with an offer or a collaboration or a project or a partnership or whatever it may be, you seem to have such clarity or maybe even a system that you go through on whether you should move forward with that opportunity or collaboration or whether it's okay to say no and walk away you just, you're not blinded, Brooke. How do you do it? Can I share a story of when I was blinded? <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> real life people. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I do feel like I have been blessed with the gift of discernment in knowing what path is best to take. And it even says that in my patriarchal blessing, it specifically calls out discernment, not just between what's right and wrong, but discernment between that which is productive and to my benefit and advantage versus that which is not. So I know that that is a spiritual gift that I have been given. And I know it's a spiritual gift that we can ask for if we feel like we need help with that and more discernment specifically in the area of that which is productive and to our benefit and advantage. I think we all have a pretty good radar about what's right and wrong, but having that level of discernment as a spiritual gift of what is worthy of our pursuit and our time and our energy is a really important spiritual gift that we should all be seeking. And even though it says that in my blessing, I need to cultivate that. I need to develop that and to be aware, to continue to ask for it. Recently, I actually had a challenge with this and I was approached by a good friend of mine about doing a project together. And it was an awesome, amazing, wonderful, worthy project. And she asked me to partner with her on it. And I, I didn't feel super excited about it. And I prayed about it and I still didn't feel super excited about it. She continued to ask and to, (laughs) and to request that I be part of this she felt really inspired that I was the person to do that with her. And I asked again, I still wasn't that excited. And finally I, I said, yes, this is like the Martin Harris story. People. Oh, heavens. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, I, I committed and we continued for a couple of months And I really experienced stagnation and she would give me assignments and I'd kind of put them off and I just felt a lot of resistance. And it came to a point where I had a moment of clarity and realized that I had made a commitment that was not the right choice for me. It wasn't in line with the path that God wanted me on. And so that's actually, for me, even harder is to pull out of a commitment. It's a lot easier sometimes to say no before you get in very far. And so there's a quote from Elder Scott, and he talks about how when you pray about something, about whether something is right, one of three things will happen. He says, first, you'll get a yes. Second, you'd get a no. Third, you'd get nothing. And he says, when we get nothing as an answer, that is the Lord showing his great trust in us to make our own choice. And he promises that when we make our own choice and we act on it, that one of the other two will um, answers will follow. We act on it, then we'll get a strong yes. We act on it, and then we get a strong no. And I acted on it, and I got a strong no eventually. It wasn't until I was a little bit into it and that was, that was a little bit difficult (laughs) to approach this person and, and to say, I'm sorry, this is not right for me. I'm not the right person for this and I need to step out and I need to revoke the commitment that I made. And it was a real test to that relationship and shattering we're rebuilding that relationship now. There's some things, important things that I learned from that experience though, of, you know, what do you say yes to and what do you say no to? Number one is that whenever you commit to something and you say yes to something, you are automatically also saying no to something else. By default, that happens. And we don't always think about that. We just think, can I fit it in, right? (laughs) Is this good? Is this going to do good work in the world? And the answer to those questions was yes. However, by me saying yes to that, I was also saying no to being able to have brain space and focus and the ability to really put my energy, all of my work 
related energy into my own pursuit with every branch and the classes that I want to create there and the other things that I feel really called to do. And it's a lot, in my situation, it was a lot easier to put my own things off because there wasn't someone else I was accountable to. And so it was getting pushed to the side. And so that I believe is super important to remember is that every yes is also a no at the same time. So when we have those situations arise, what am I saying no to, to be able to do this really small other thing? I recently got asked by someone in my ward to accompany them (laughs) on an instrument. It's a high school student. I love accompanying and I immediately said yes without thinking. And then it came time to rehearse and I had to find babysitters for my children. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm not even being paid for this. And this is actually a burden. I did not think far enough to realize that me saying yes to this situation was me also saying no to being with my kids, to being able to have freedom in my schedule. And so when we look at the choices that we are given with what am I also saying no to, I think that's really, really important. Another point they'll bring up about choices like that. I recently listened to a podcast with Greg McCune. He's the author of the book Essentialism. Fabulous book love it. And he talked about saying yes and no and said that the things that we should say yes to are things that we should have a 90% yes. And I'd never thought about that before. This is brand new to me. Yeah. A a 90% yes. So you think about, you know, how much of that yes do you really feel? And if I look at that situation where I was approached to be a part of that project, it was not a 90% yes. It was maybe, maybe 50% yes. And that that is really telling to actually evaluate how much of a yes it is. We can tell our percentage by the fruits of the spirit. For me, I didn't feel the fruit of love, joy, and peace, right? I mean, that's that's where that percentage of the yes comes from. Like, how excited are you about this? How much does it light you up, make you excited, be willing to sacrifice with the things that you are going to have to say no to, but you want to do it, and so the no's are okay? <laughs> and so that was a new thing that I learned this week that I really resonated with is what is the percentage of the yes? And that 80% is not even enough. It needs to be a 90. And I feel like, you know, that gap between the 90 and the 100 is faith, right? Sometimes maybe we can have that 100% yes, but at least having the 90 and that 10% of we're not quite sure what's going to happen is where we put our faith in God and we just go for it. And we have the faith to do it because we're at 90%. 90% and 10%. 90%. I'm trying to think of in my life when I've really felt the 90. I mean, that is gonna be a wonderful exercise for so many of us to to think about as we are faced with those day-to-day decisions. And and I think, you know how we've talked about the funny culture sometimes that puts pressure on us and makes us feel discouraged. And I gotta tell you, I've, I've got a husband in a really demanding training program right now. And every time that Feed the Missionary list signs up, oh, the guilt, oh, the burden. And I'm 10% Yes, wanting to do it. <laughs> and still I try and sign my name. <laughs> That's so good to recognize. That's you know? all I can think about the whole time. I'm like, the missionary feeding list. <laughs> That's so good that you see that, that you can actually recognize my my yes in this is a 10%. It's not a 90. And therefore, it's not a yes. Absolutely. And maybe my individual plan in life, Brooke, is not to feed the missionaries right now. <laughs> That is okay. <laughs> Abolish those cultural expectations. <laughs> we oh. all have a season. <laughs> oh, I just, I love, love, love. Now, um, as we, I, I just wish people had the experience to be with you more. And some of them may not know that they can be with you more. Will you just give us a couple of examples on how they can hear your podcast, how they can be involved in what you're doing. Cause I have no doubt you've got people listening right here that are like more, more every week, Brooke, <laughs> every week. How can they experience more from you? My website is everybranch.is. That's everybranch.is. And 
I have a podcast. You can find the podcast right there on the site. You can find the podcast on iTunes. It's called the Every Branch Podcast. I currently am producing a podcast almost once a week. So it's fairly regular there. I also just recently opened up uh, what I call the Every Branch Inspiration Club. And that's something I'm excited about. It is a private Facebook group, but it's free. It's a place to have community. It's largely focused in personal growth and development. And so how to apply these principles that we talked about of pruning, nourishment, identity, and grace on a regular basis that we can be developing that in our life. The Inspiration Club includes a book club and I do live trainings there and we continue discussion that happens in the podcast, things like that. I just barely, barely started it. So I'm excited to be able to nourish it and provide a great community for like-minded people who love personal growth and development and within the context of spirituality as well. It really is incredible. The God-given resources that we've been given, like you said, to just reach the world and do so much good and um, I think you're just making huge strides with the gifts the Lord has given you through some amazing journeys to really, really impact the world. I know I'm one little person that you have changed the direction of my life tenfold. And I just know that there are thousands out there that would probably say the exact same thing about you. And I think the world of you and you have been such a wonderful teacher and influence upon me as well. So I love every conversation we're able to have together. Well, I, I so appreciate that. And one thing we kind of like to close out our podcast with, with a little bit of a pep talk. We have a lot of very green seed planting entrepreneurs who are with Mormon Mompreneur. And they often want to hear that, that they can do this, that the Lord wants to support them in what they're doing. So what would be your wisdom to them, those who are just feel very, very green in the world of being a mompreneur, so to speak, who are scared to death about not making a dime and their ki- their children going to jail because they spend too much time. You've got to listen to one of our first podcasts to understand that comment. But um, what do you say to them, them that are a little, those those that are a little bit on the fence that want to get going and have a little bit of fear. One of the fears I think that provides resistance is the cultural belief that it's not appropriate for women, especially women within the church to have a job outside of the home. Even if, you know, we can create this environment that's amazing and you can do it in your house and all of that. There's still that lingering cultural belief that holds us back. And whether or not we vocalize it that way, I know that it hovers over a lot of us to really know that this is okay. And it's more than okay, that it actually could be part of our personal mission that God has for us. And that's something that I want so much to be able to help people to see is that you have a personal mission. You have the opportunity to influence other people. And when we talk about the quality and the attribute of nourishment, we're told in the family proclamation that we are nurturers. And we often limit ourselves to defining nurturer only within the role of motherhood. I believe the role of nurturer is far broader than that. I believe that I am nurturing other people through my podcast. I am nurturing other people through the classes that I create. I believe that any anything that we find joy in and excitement in and passion in is an opportunity for us to nurture other people. Whether that's nurturing through making blankets and selling them on Etsy, whether that's nourishing (laughs) through doing photography and photographing people's families, whether that's nourishing through nurturing through creating really awesome cakes for people's birthdays. There are so many ways that we can nurture and that that is included. That definition of nurturing is so much broader than we allow ourselves 
to think about. And when we see that and realize that the nurturing can go so far beyond motherhood, I think that we make this connection that God is okay with this. God wants to use this. He knows that I can nurture in many different ways. And when we find that perspective, when we find that alignment, the spiritual alignment, the personal mission alignment, our spiritual purpose alignment in the work that we do, that makes all the difference. That helps to remove the fear and to instead install faith that we can go forward, that we can do the work with him and that he is concerned about the work that we do. Sometimes we can make it seem small because we can reduce it to being something materialistic because it's business or it's a product or something like that. But that's not the way that the Lord sees it. Everything about this life is about our personal growth and development. And this is a way to grow and to nurture other people. And when we can broaden that definition of nurturing and find that alignment, I feel like that helps so much. And so if someone is in the beginning or in the middle, or they're already really successful in their business, keeping those things in mind will be a great help. Amen. 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 What <laughs> wonderful closing words to me. Let's be blunt. Let's be blunt to me. And I hope so many of our viewers. And the last thing I've just got to put together is that God cares. Yes. If you care, he cares. And really believing him that he cares about you making blankets. And about you making cakes, just like you said. I mean, my heart was just on fire when you were talking about it. I'm like, this should not be news. This is not news that Heavenly Father is involved in every fabric of our lives and cheering us on. And we are in the rare position as mothers, whatever form of mothers, the mother, the mothers of two, the mothers of nine, the mothers of seemingly none, we are in this position to further the work of the Lord, and we often have little people watching us do that. And what an extraordinary opportunity for them to see women of faith truly impacting their lives and the lives of the world through the gifts and talents that God has given them. So Brooke, just amazing. Absolutely amazing. We're going to have to do a part two, a part three, a part four <laughs> in the future. I'm happy to return anytime. <laughs> I love having co podcast conversations, as you know. <laughs> I know. And the great blessing of this is that, you know, Brooke is our guest today. If if you need more of it, she's got more. You can go to everybranch.is, I-S, everybranch.is, and find the Inspiration Club on Facebook to connect with her on a more individual basis. And I have no doubt she will nurture you in ways that you may have never dreamt possible. So I would encourage all of you to connect with her soon as you um, embark on your own individual journey with Heavenly Father cheering you on. So thank you again so much, Brooke, for joining us. And we will have you back very, very soon. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on the Mormon Mompreneur Podcast. Check out our other episodes and learn from other women of faith, motherhood, and business as they share their unique stories and experiences. Go to www.mormonmompreneur.com or the iTunes store to learn more. <laughs>